0: Hi guys, Monday, 29th of March. Um, that's right. If you are um tune uh, I've completely forgot what I was going to say. Anyway, say hello to Steve, say hi Steve. <laughs> hi. Hi Steve. Yeah, yeah, I can hear you loud and clear. Um, so we we've got a, a matching outfit uh, today, hat, glasses and casual top. Um yes, we did confer before we went on air just to make sure that we were coordinated. Um, brother from another mother. Also, exactly. Also, if you're um tuning in and this is the week that you can go back to work and you are intending on taking the week off because of the nice weather, well done. Because we've just spent a, a year indoors. So congrats to you. Um, But look, uh, the HMO Diaries, um, as always, um, Steve and I will give you a bit of a rundown as to uh, what's happened in our respective HMO rent-to-rent investment uh, businesses over the last week. And if you may recall, you tuned, um, those of you that tuned last week, I did a solo episode because Steve was running around getting new customers, viewings and all that kind of stuff. Um he is back with us today as you can see and we were just chatting before we went on and I said give it people raw like tell people how much of a drama the last few days have been so Steve on that introduction yeah, no I'm just going to hand it over to you and sit back
1: there we go yeah no problem whatsoever mate. everything was like roses and light and uh, it's been <laughs>
0: Yeah, typical. No, it's typical. It's how it is. Like, literally nothing <laughs> happens when you operate HMO zero, nothing. Yeah. No, it, it,
1: it's, uh, it's probably been one of the most challenging uh, few days, let's put it like, since Friday, uh, challenging few days that I've had managing HMO. So I, I kind of think that I've um, had an easy ride up to now, Um and of course you, you you can only have the experiences that you have. you can't sort of create experiences that you don't have. Um, and similarly with your processes, I mean if, I mean I, I like my processes uh, um, my risk controls and stuff like that you have um your processes and controls for stuff that you know, right? It's w- what you don't know, you don't know. Um, so when those um, unknown unknowns, as they're technically called, come <laughs> along, you then kind of have to make things up on the fly, which is either going to go really well um, or it's or it's not going to go so well. So, so what am I alluding to? I wanna, I'll, um, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, share a story. I'm not going to uh, personalize it. I'm not going to mention where it is. I'm just going to be factual and, and give you the bare bones. So, um, imagine. Imagine it's um, two o'clock in the morning and you're comfy in your bed. You've probably gone to sleep about three or four hours before. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, and suddenly your phone starts to go like um, crazy. And so the first sort of thing, is, so first sort of question is, do I answer it? And you sort of think, well, for, if it rings once, I'm not going to answer it because it could be a wrong number, right? So I'm not I'm not going to ring it. Uh, and I'd never have a ring on it. It's sort of like this buzz, it's like zzz, zzz type thing. So um, hmm. so then the second time it, it goes, and I'm sort of thinking, okay, well that's probably not a wrong number. And then um, suddenly all these WhatsApps uh, pings start to go off. So I think, okay, I've got to sort of sit up and take notice now. Um, so i'm now taking notice and i'm getting some messages saying that a customer is having uh an um an episode uh in their room and uh that they're con- they're concerned so so the first thing is well the, the message is kind of cryptic um because what is what is an episode right um who yeah. knows it could be what is it, an episode of watching tv is it an episode having a epileptic fit which is kind of right at the the other end of the scale you sort of so so go back and sort of said um hi um can you be a bit more specific what's what's happening so the next message i get is uh, a video and um it's um pointing at a door which is the door to the room and behind it there is like What I can only describe as like uh, the crushing and smashing of wood against uh, metal object, Um, the customers screaming and hollering uh, as if they're in sort of like out of control, Um, and that was it. So I thought, okay, this is now pretty serious need to understand what's going on so uh message uh, the girl back so the, the first thing that sort of comes to my mind is um it, safety so you always have to be sort of safety first so the first question is do you feel safe um and the answer that come back was well kinda because uh this person is in their room um it's not spilled out into the house uh, so it's contained, uh, but I am concerned. So the first mm. tick of, of safety first is has been ticked. So the rest of the house feels safe. So the next element is safety of the individual in the room. So uh, and this is where having a, a really good understanding of your customers and and the only way you can get a really good understanding of your customers is by engaging uh, with them. So so I knew that this individual um, had a had a problem um and so um me sort of not being within sort of half an hour of the uh of the property uh it, it's kind of um i, I feel impotent almost uh, i mm. can't really i can't really do anything so so this is the sort of thoughts that sort of went through my head so the first thought was um he needs to be um, made safe so um obviously it's alcohols involved but maybe some something else as well who knows um unknown at this stage um and therefore am I the best person to put myself in a situation to try and resolve this um my then then thinking sort of went well potentially yes because if I um get the authorities involved then potentially that might impact him and and do I want that and and the answer to that is no obviously I don't want to um put someone in in a situation like that but then I'm sort of thinking well am I trained to uh, confront and deal with these potential issues um and and being be able to make a positive uh impact on the situation and I rationale that I probably wasn't So when I when I went through that sort of um, thinking, which uh, sort of it's probably now about sort of 20 past two in the morning when you're sort of half asleep um, is um, it is maybe not the best frame of mind to be in. But it it is it is what it is. Right. You can't really sort of dictate when these time things are going to happen. I sort of made a judgment call that I wasn't. And therefore um, I was going to call the police. So I made the call um, and um, because I'm uh, based in Cambridgeshire, uh, I got put through to Cambridgeshire police. And when I told them that the uh, house wasn't in Cambridgeshire, it was somewhere else, they, they then had to sort of connect me through to another uh, another force. Um, and to be fair to um, the, the police, I mean, they were there in like under three minutes. Um, oh, wow. so fair play uh, to them um, but they um, entered the house um, and one mo- one of the most important things uh, that I've sort of subsequently um, uh, realized is that you need to have a point of contact uh, in the house uh, in order to uh, explain the situation to the attending of officers um, and that some context could be added because I mean my uh, one of my good friends is a police officer and um, and they never know what um, circumstances that they are going into they are blind almost like 90 percent of the time so having someone to provide some context i think is really important so the other customer that messaged me um uh, was happy to do that and um, and i provided the necessary contact details and um uh, the, the police officers came in um dealt with the situation in, in probably about 10-15 minutes ascertained that this uh, the customer that was having the episode uh, was was safe Uh, albeit in a in a not too good condition um sort of physically if that kind of makes sense um drugs wasn't involved so that was a a positive um and um within sort of like half an hour the whole the whole episode was um uh, done and dusted so so that was sort of like dealing with the issue. That So that just for future reference, and in, and in case anyone else has um, a situation like this, and I don't know whether you, you've had a situation like this, but I certainly haven't had a situation like this in the, in, in the last five years. This was a real first for me. The, the first thing is um, you've got to assess the situation and, and get as, mu- as many facts as possible without emotion, which is sometimes hard from the customers at the other end who are sort of on the front line, as it were, um then you've got to assess uh, the safety of the house so is the uh, issue contained uh, or is it starting is, is it in a communal area for example and starting to be spread out um, but if it's contained um, then the next question you have to ask yourself uh, and this is a real sort of frank answer question are you the best person to deal with that? No matter what the um, outcome is, are you the best person to do it? Because I, I went through the um, emotions of, well, could this be considered as a waste of police time? And I sort of rationale to myself after thinking it through for a few minutes that no, it's not, because I'm genuinely concerned for the safety of the individual, and I'm generally, genuinely concerned for the safety of the other housemate. So, um, mm. so it was the right decision to make. And then once you've, um, once you've made that call, if you feel that you literally cannot um solve that situation or, or add um a positive contribution to that then it's it's kind of out of your hands you've got to let go um and and let the professionals take over um and then be guided by what they report back to you so yeah kind, kind of bizarre first for me didn't have a process didn't know what to do um now it's documented we have a process um <laughs> and um uh, and, and because who knows when it might happen again and and that is now starting to sort of feature into um, uh, our uh, reviews our training uh, uh updating our documentation that if we do get a situation like that again where there are these uh parameters now we know what to do so hopefully by sharing that and and i um, i'm sure that if you run hmos or own hmos i'm sure that you won't come across this situation it is like once in a blue moon um mm. but it, it's, it's good to good to maybe just have a, a plan of attack so you know how to um, potentially deal with these situations and every situation is going to be have its own unique um uh, factors of course but but having a um, a guideline maybe um to, of how to deal with these issues is um hopefully people will find out value
0: yeah i um i mean first off you know it, it all got resolved. I appreciate. It. Obviously, it was early doors, um, and not. I'm sure you were startled to receive calls and to deal with that. Like early doors, I, I had something similar last year during a lockdown. Although not not at that time, it was more sort of eight o'clock in the evening, where um, uh, you know we were contacted by uh, one of the housemates, and they were saying you know, uh, their neighbor their next door neighbor in the next room, you know, they were hearing um, noises and screams and everything coming out of the room. And, you know, should they call the police or not? I said, Yeah, look, if you, you know, if you feel that there is an imminent threat of danger, then by all means, call the police. So the police got involved. And then I had to sort of liaise with um, uh, the communication over the phone. And all it was, was just the, the next door um, neighbor was having a massive Barney with his Mrs. Um, during lockdown. So she shouldn't have been there in the first place um, because, you know, not part of the household. uh, Certainly didn't notify us at all. Um, But all of this was resolved probably within like about an hour. Um, And then there was follow-up as well from from the police. Not a nice situation to be faced with uh, and thankful to say that the housemate moved out shortly after, not because of anything that, you know, we did, but just obviously of their own volition um but yeah it is useful to once you've gone through that once to sort of document the process remember what your experience was um especially because for you it happened early doors um and then you know make sure that you've got a certain set of steps to follow when um uh uh, when it's all done and dusted what what was the fallout with the with the other housemates like how how was that handled afterwards what's Um, the customer service aspect of it been like
1: yeah absolutely fine. um everyone was super concerned because he is probably oh I just give away uh, that it was a male um, this person mm-hmm. um yeah no, uh, <laughs> that, that narrows it down. this person um is so respectful um, so quiet um, n- never been an issue at all I'm almost like a, a model customer and um i think the what what struck me was the concern from the other housemates about his uh welfare and his well-being and and um part of me sort of thinks well that's um i think in part testament to uh and we've talked about it a number of times to building a community within a house because uh uh house share works better when people have got sort of uh, vested interests and and, and uh, similar values um mm. and and you can only get those vested interests and similar values through your um customer uh selection policy and um my my view is that um that is probably one of the top three or four um key things that you have to get right uh in order to make uh success of, of running hmos whether you own them or or whether you look after them on behalf of your clients or, or other people um, so we put a lot of effort into our uh, customer selection to make sure we choose the right people and um next day um so that was a friday so i met up with him at four o'clock um on the saturday so um went over to the house uh, he actually called me um late morning and said look uh, i have no idea what happened i've just um bumped into some of the housemates they've told me what happened i am like so ashamed um and um i, I want to apologize so mm. so that took a lot of courage and and was really um uh was a a, a brave thing to do um because someone might have a different view uh, of just sort of burying their heads in the sand and hoping it's going to go away but the fact that they kind of owned up to it again is an, another example of um having the right people in the right house um, uh, they all respect the house and they they love uh, being there. So um, again, that's just a, a testament of the sort of community element that that we try and build within within the, the house share. So um, I had a meeting with him because um, my big concern was was for the room and also his welfare. And his welfare was absolutely fine. Um, mm. He he just had um, taken it a bit too far. Uh, that evening um and uh the only thing that was um completely destroyed uh was a, a clothes horse that, that he owned uh, and there was a couple of little dinks in the wall but the rest of the room was absolutely fine it was spotless um yeah. so Decent. so yeah all's well that uh kind of end well but but of course when you when this happens once you certainly at the back of my mind it's well um could this happen again um and is there a, is a pattern forming um or is this just a one-off so in my book uh everyone gets um uh i don't know sort of one strike um and uh but if it happens again then we're going to have to take a a different view but yeah it's uh it was a learning experience um it was obviously annoying the time of day, but you can't you can't uh, <laughs> have these have these things to order, can you? you can't order it like half past four in the afternoon, which would be like yeah, days.
0: yeah, um, yeah.
1: But um, but yeah, just just some real learnings. I I've never been through experiences like that before, um, and um, but now I have. I, I feel that I'm much more capable of handling and being able to make faster and quicker decisions, um, being more decisive um in the moment as to uh, if something happens, which hopefully it doesn't, but but who knows.
0: Yeah, but better prepared. That's that's the key thing. So look that you know that obviously was um one experience and it's a good juncture right now. Uh those of you that are um, tuning in guys, thank you very much. Hello, good afternoon. Um have you had any similar sort of experiences as as Steve had at the weekend or as i had last year it'd be quite good to um hear from you guys if you want to drop us a comment in the uh, in the message box and also if you've got any questions whilst we're on um feel free to ask uh we're here to help so i'm quite happy to answer um answer any questions that do pop up um so you mentioned that there were two things that happened this weekend right (laughs) yeah
1: so it kind of uh, and i don't want i don't want people to take the impression that it's like this all the time this is like so exceptional i mean um as i was saying to Matt before before we came on air it's um uh, uh, is it luck of the draw is it the fact that we're sort of getting ready to come out of lockdown and people are starting to let their head out i don't know but but we we have another situation in a in a different house um just with some antisocial behavior so one of our co- customers that moved in just after Christmas has been having loads of mates round parties, loud music, um, three times this has happened now. And, um, uh, and it's just sort of getting, um, kind of a little, I feel like a little bit out of control. And, and I made a comment, I think a couple of on a diaries a couple of weeks ago that you've got to be like the, the dog wagging the tail and, and not the tail that's attached to the dog. So, um, unfortunately we've had to sort of escalate um the situation so again it's it's if you if you have persistent offenders in your in your properties that either you're managing or that you own having an escalation uh, process uh, that is is uh, well defined um and uh, communicated to the customer that's causing the issue um so that you're setting expectations so i'm a great believer that If I have a conversation with someone, um, it's either uh, as a first conversation, it's either going to be, is this going to happen again or is this a one off? And as I've just said, um, I'm quite happy to give someone the benefit of the doubt. I'm quite happy to give them one strike. Um, Mm. But now it's happened a further two times in quick succession. So Mm. unfortunately, um, that has now um, escalated itself. So the escalation point is that uh, when I had the first conversation, I I made it very very clear as to what's going to happen next if um, uh, if I have to be called out or if I get a complaint from the neighbours or if I get a complaint from the other household. But at some point, um, the customer will either um, comply or they won't comply. Uh, mm-hmm. And it doesn't look like this customer is going to comply. Um, and unfortunately, with the current... Um, Uh, changes in legislation uh, being six months uh, notice uh, I might have to put up with this situation for another six months Mm. um, unless I can do something to change the the system now for those who are um, familiar with NLP there's something called a Hmm. interrupt which is basically uh, almost like a shock to the system so um, that's going to be my sort of next um, strategy uh, in terms of that sort of shock to the system um if i'm completely honest with you i've got two or three sort of thoughts as to what that shock is going to be um mm. which sort of goes from uh, one extreme of uh moving uh, my mate nick who's um about 18 stone bald um and uh, quite a <laughs> chunky bloke, into the empty room next door to him um yeah. so so that's so that's one option um the second option um is um to serve notice um but mm. obviously th- that notice will have no validity because he's only been he's not even well he's only been with us for two and a half months um and uh i need to get to a uh, month uh four or is it month five in order to serve uh serve the notice and then potentially it's going to be six months but um, I've taken advice from the uh, legal helpline, uh, which, if you're managing HMOs or own HMOs, I certainly highly recommend that you join the R. Now I'm always get this wrong because I always call them the Yeah, that's the one. I call them the yeah. RNLA, and that's the Royal National Lifeboat <laughs> Association. So don't join the Royal National Lifeboat Association, but join the Royal. Is it no the residential? Mm.
0: Na- national, national Re- Re- what is it residential, residential landlord association zone. yeah
1: join the right <laughs> one because the the lifeboat guys won't be able to help you in this situation um uh, as 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 valiant and as g- uh, g- good a job as they do on the on the high seas um so yeah so he said that cuz i wanted to go down the antisocial antisocial behavior route right so that was my yeah. natural thought because the the regulations say that currently if there's antisocial behavior you can give one week's notice and they have to leave um, but the guy on the other end of the line just said, well, I, uh, you've either got to have a lot of evidence and a really sympathetic judge. And he recounted uh, um a case to me um, from another landlord in an HMO where one uh, customer pulled a knife on the other customer. OK, um, mm. the landlord served notice on both of them for antisocial behavior. It went to court and the judge threw it out.
0: Hmm. On more brands so that's
1: like it, it, it's not antisocial behavior apparently
0: okay.
1: um so the um, wow. so my um guy who's constantly having parties and friends round um is pales into insignificance to pulling a knife on another customer so he said that you can try it if you want, but I think you'd be wasting your time better to go down the um section twenty one um but obviously' I, there's there's a a time period before you can actually serve the section 21 um and uh, and then there's potentially six months but he did say that um there are rumors that as from may 31st uh it's going to come back down to two months so mm. um so that might be uh, a little bit positive so so what what solutions are i've just got to manage the situation now and um a bit like uh, uh i imagine it to be a bit like a game of football where. You, you've got to sort of, what when I was playing football, they always called it narrower angles. So you've got to get closer and closer and closer. So they've got no, they can't pass the ball either side of you, if that makes sense. So I've got to get closer and closer and closer to the situation. So uh, I don't allow this um, situation to escalate. Because if I do let this situation escalate, not only have I got customers that are in the house that are having a miserable time at the moment, but I've also got a new customer joining later this week, um, and I'm conscious about potentially dropping him into a situation um, that's uh, not mm. ideal. So so it's going to require a lot of sort of micromanaging, um, which unfortunately is part of the territory that we um, uh, sit in or we operate in. Um, and, and either one or th- two things is going to happen. Either he's going to break me uh, or mm. I'm going to break him. <laughs> there's, there's only, that, those are the only two um, outcomes possible. So someone's going to be a winner. Uh, and someone's going to be a loser, and I need to make sure that I'm not the loser uh, and that I am the winner. So um, maybe we'll treat this as a, as a little bit of a, a running dialogue and and see uh, see how I get on. <laughs> Who knows?
0: Yeah, yeah, it'll be an interesting guide to see um, to see what happens over the forthcoming weeks. But I'm sure yeah. um, uh, I'm sure it'll be well. Hopefully, it'll be resolved um, amicably. It, it may well be. Well, yeah, uh, I can't really comment. I'm just thinking back to the situation that I faced last year where the guy just ended up moving out pretty quickly anyway. But it was a different set of circumstances because he'd been with those for um, probably about a year. So it was it was pretty much time to go. But hopefully um, hopefully, you um, managed to uh, pacify the situation. And I love the fact that he dropped in some NLP as well, This is not something that I was thinking... Uh, we'd have as a little bit of subject matter on this HMO Diaries because I do like a little yeah. bit of neurolinguistic programming. It's pretty good. Um, yeah,
1: I think I think it's it's
0: important because it, we're dealing with people, right? So um, mm.
1: so knowing knowing what buttons to that you can push and and, and how people sort of um, um, be, be triggered or respond, it, I think it's like right, really important. And 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 what's most important is you don't push the wrong button. Um, I mean, when I uh, when I went out, so that was so Friday night. Well, you know what happened on my Friday night, Saturday morning. Um, hmm. So this was sort of like Saturday night. So um, yeah, I, I'd say, and I want to stress for those people watching and, and listening that this in I've been doing this for like five years, and this has never happened. Okay, so in in the previous five years, never had a had a problem. Okay, I've had one or two little niggles, but nothing nothing like this where I had to call the uh, the police and and persistent sort of party offenders um so i don't want to paint the picture like this is it. every weekend i do this it's not i do have a life um and um uh, quite enjoy it so this is just like a real rare but i think there's some important learnings to uh, come from it because mm. it may well be that that people um who watch or listen to this do face these um scenarios and, and maybe they um, don't know how to deal with it or maybe um i might be a little bit older and might have a little bit more life experience that that could prove value or not as the case may be but um yeah it's um it's a uh, kind of a, um, a, a, t- a testing time let's put it like that at the moment but but my resolve is true and my resolve is strong and um, unfortunately uh, I'm, a, I'm very competitive and i don't like losing
0: <laughs> Days. Okay, good. So we'll um, you're, you're going to keep us posted to see how this pans out. Um, and yeah, just uh, referring back, if you um, want to listen back to a previous episode, um, I think it was a couple of weeks ago, titled Five Burly Guys and Something Else on the HMO Diaries. If you go over to the HMO Experience Property Podcast, you can go check that out. Or if you're watching uh, in the Facebook group, um, you can go back and, and listen to Steve's first foray into this adventure um, with uh, this particular housemate. But look, um, as you said, this is, it doesn't often happen. Um, You know, these things do happen from time to time, you know, as invariably, um, things happen in business and in life with lockdown, for example, and you just, you know, you learn and adjust. Um, So that was last week. And this week you're supposed to be having a break. Um, But like, are you doing anything in particular or are you just completely clearing the decks? Like, is there anything that you've got lined up?
1: Yeah, I um, I prepared my vegetable patches this afternoon because I've got hey. uh, my uh, seeds with Steve is uh, coming back on uh, Easter Sunday. So um, if you're interested in um, finding out about my tomato growing and cucumber growing exploits and if you want to uh, uh, grow, grow along with Steve, then um, in fact, if anyone uh, does want to grow along with Steve, um, put your um, contact details in the chat below and I'll send you some free tomato seeds um that you can um you can plant and uh, enjoy the the bounty that is uh beautiful tomatoes uh come the summer um so yeah so that's what I was uh that's on the agenda this week um we've got a couple of move-ins um over in northampton we've got a couple of move-ins in uh bedford uh happening um we've got some move outs happening as well so yeah it's uh, life still goes on um and mm. um uh, it, it's all good It's all good, Um, but yeah, every now and then you get what I call HMO pimples, um, (laughs) and um, I'm just suffering one or two pimples at the moment that need to be uh, lanced or popped. And uh, yeah, squeeze,
0: (laughs) squeeze (laughs) those pimples.
1: That's a real horrible image. I've just realised what I said, so uh, apologies to everyone. Um, but yeah, I've got a few HMO pimples uh, that need to be dealt with. But uh, other than that, everything everything else is good. Um, we've, uh, we're taking on a couple more um, management um, properties over in Northampton, so uh, I've got a call with a uh, prospect um, later on this evening to find out how we can help him uh, manage uh, his portfolio of HMOs. Um, Bedford, we're uh, maybe looking at taking on another rent to rent with from an existing um, landlord that works with us. So we're looking at that. Um, yeah, it's all good. We got. We're just preparing for the of um, of the eight bed uh, rent to rent that we um, have. the The landlord is going to be spending some significant money um actually on um uh, upgrading and uh improving that property uh new en suites uh new rendering on the outside of the building new windows going in so that's um that's going to be closed for probably about six to eight weeks um and then we uh open that back up and the the property that we're looking to take on we're we've been moving the existing customers from that property out into the new one that we're looking to take on um and then give them the option either to move back and then we'll resell um the the uh, the new one or if they like it there they can stay there and then we'll we'll sell the, the um the eight bed so yeah it's nice. it's going to be a uh, i think busy summer of course we don't know what's going to happen with lockdown are we locking down aren't we locking down is there a third wave won't there be a third wave um but one thing is for sure i do need a haircut uh, and that's yeah. the main reason why i'm wearing a hat <laughs> if i take my
0: hat off if i'm a bit sort of like what? hey look at that so it's growing yeah it's growing
1: yeah i do need a head no, that's
0: good that's good i think um so much in well similar sort of vein zoo we've got um a couple of uh actually no just got one check in this week um had a couple of move outs last week um getting quite into, uh, so we've got a VA like re outsourcing our, um, room marketing to uh, a VA so that we can get um, a bunch of outreach done on spare room. Um, uh, got a few inspections to sort out this week. Um, yeah, I think other than that, it's been pretty, yeah, pretty, pretty calm, which is nice. So, Steve has given you one perspective, um, which has been uh, a little bit hectic and happens every now and again. Um, I'm giving you another perspective, super calm, relatively quiet. Um, we've got a couple of vacancies, so you know, we're trying to get those uh, filled over the next uh, week or two. Managed to um, settle down all of our, um, uh, the rent-to-rents that we have uh, left, so at the moment, touch wood. Everything is, is going to a plan, not the plan, but a plan. Um, we've got a few phone calls um, with landlords, I think in May, uh, just to uh, review where our current proposal, proposals are and what we're able to uh, maintain. Um, but yeah, other than that, it's been, um, I'm kind of looking forward to Eastern, like spend a bit of time outdoors. Um, mm-hmm. I'm going to sign up to your seeds with Steve because we've just started, or we're just trying to grow some herbs indoors. So if you give us some tips, I don't even know what we're trying to grow, but we're—well, I say we, misses, not me. I'm not green fingers. But yeah, coriander,
1: of coriander's a good one, and basil. I mean, it's so simple. I mean, what I do, and this might be a little bit—I mean, we grow from seed as well, but it, that takes a bit of time. But um just um just go down to the local supermarket, go to the veggie section, and they've already got sort of like herbs in pots and you, all you need to do is keep watering it. And as long as you keep watering it, um it will live. If you don't water it then it'll die. Um unfortunately. Yeah, we went old school, um,
0: we just from seeds. So yeah, that's cool.
1: It's it's inter- it's interesting because one of the one of the we talk about this sort of uh, community element as well. One of the initiatives that I did last year was uh, put a note out to um, all of our customers to find out who was interested in in growing stuff. So we had a, a um, like a little bit of a, a growing club. So I bought a whole uh, bunch of um, um, I was going to say fertiliser, but gr- uh, and um, the grow back and dropped it around to the house and um uh, i'd overproduced on um tomato plants I had like like tens of these little seedlings so i distributed them around to the house um and um and then they started growing so um kimbolton road they got big into their strawberries so they had like a little strawberry patch and they were growing fresh strawberries um salisbury street decided they want to go down potatoes. So mm. I had a, a couple of old sort of uh, pota- potato bags available, um, and gave them some, um, and they um, uh, they were growing potatoes. Um, what, uh, Gladstone they they were into their herbs, so they grew um, nice. basil uh, and coriander. I think it was, and they had like an Italian night, and uh, I had to sort of all. Uh, no, they had they um, what was it with the those Where you use tomatoes and
0: um, what like sorry a salad. Like a panzanella, tap like honey bruschetta. Oh. Okay, Can bruschetta.
1: You okay, nice. Can you hear me. Yeah, yeah, yeah bruschetta. Yeah. So they made bruschetta nice. and um, sort of put all their basil in it. So yeah, it's uh, and we're probably going to do the same thing this year. Um, get the houses growing
0: stuff. Nice. Um, hi, Susie. Thanks for tuning in. Yeah, of course. Feel free to ask a question uh, as Steve and I um, discussed the merits of growing your own herbs. Uh, but feel free, fire away, like we're here to help, so if we can help, we will do. Um, uh, but I do like that um, approach. I, I remember you, when we were going, doing a bunch of lives, you were saying how, um, you know, it was getting people out and doing stuff um, uh, in the gardens during lockdown. Um, and, you know, some, some of the housemates were helping you paint and redecorate and that kind of stuff. Um, so look, nice little filler whilst Susie got a question ready. So... Uh, once you have a few properties, do you still need to make calls to agents on a regular basis? I'm sorry. It's not a question about tomatoes. (laughs) (laughs) Great question. Um, so look, Steve, what, what do you, you know, you've been, you've been, uh, running longer than I have. If you give some perspective on, on this question and I'll give my feedback afterwards.
1: Yeah, so um, do we still make calls to agents? Um, yeah, we do. Um, because two reasons, Susie. Um, first one is, well, oh, actually three reasons. First one is uh, properties of people business, right? So it's all about networking and it's, it's um, who you know. Um, so particularly if you're, uh, or if one is just starting out, um, it's important that you um, sort of spread your wings wide and, and get to know as many people as possible. Um, and, um, uh, and and therefore the only way that you're going to do that is, is by reaching out now with the agent sort of controlling the majority of the marketplace my uh, and having, uh, being an ex-letting agent myself um, you always try to go a uh, path of least resistance so building uh, relationships with uh, or continuing to build relationships with your uh, agents is vitally important um, the second uh, reason is that you don't know what's going to happen uh, in the future I mean uh we've been very lucky um we've had to well i say we've been lucky we've had to give a few properties back that just didn't work out for us um but we've never had a landlord um or an agent come to saying i want to take the property back um Mm. and uh, if that did happen then and if i've got some really good customers that that i want to keep then where am i going to put them so always um being on the lookout for another property just as um uh, as we've got with um uh, the refurbishment of the eight bed in in Bedford, um, the landlord has actually said, "Well, um, I like he knows the he knows the customers and he has a little bit of interaction with them." And, and uh, but simply because the property that we've got is almost like his um, uh, crown jewel, it is the, it's the property that he's most proud of, um, and so therefore yeah. he wants it kept in a certain way, and therefore he does have a little bit of involvement, um, and so he didn't have to. Um, offers up another property because he wants to refurbish he could have actually just said right i'm taking the property back and, and you can have it back once refurbish. but he hasn't so um so having those um, relationships certainly um is important and, and i guess um susie it depends on how big that you want to grow because um my view at the very beginning was that and i've all since become being in the lettings industry i've always wanted to have my own lettings business i think um uh, I think it's uh, a really good business to be in. Um, I love dealing with the uh, the customers. Maybe not at three o'clock in the morning, but uh, on the whole, I, uh, I do love. Um, yeah, I, I do love dealing with my customers, um, and and therefore, if you if you if you have that sort of passion for the for the business, then of course you, you're going to want it to grow, and um, the only way that you can do that is by continuing uh, with your marketing now at some point what will happen or certainly what we found at some point um word of mouth will start to take over uh, on the basis that one is doing a good job um the, the actual marketing activity so um so what do we do in terms of our marketing do we uh, do we do lots of um uh, marketing and sending letters out and stuff like that to be honest with you the answer is less these days we still do it but it's a lot less but at the very mm. beginning we were like going pedal to the metal because we we needed that impetus to get us off the ground and to get our business working um and mm. growing so we we took our first property on uh, in the june um and then we got our next property which was a six bed we then took on our next property which was a seven bed in the october and then the following um march we took on four p- properties in the space of like six weeks so yeah. i mean that was like that was like pushing it uh, and of course we have all uh, i had a load of reservations and fears and jamie's going no we can do this we can do this uh, and we <laughs> did um so my my reservations and fears were totally unfounded um but we'd sort of practiced um on the first two properties we, we made lots of mistakes on the first one and if you want to hear about those mistakes go back and listen to the previous podcast episodes um second one uh, went a lot smoother third one went super smooth and then fourth fifth six just like rolled straight off the off the bat because we knew what we're doing we we had all the checklists so um i might be sort of adding a bit more color to your question um but it's vitally important that you do continue these relationships because if you want to grow your business at speed, then you're going to need mm. to um, have uh, relationships with various agents in order to feed in the opportunities um, only when um, you want to stop growing the portfolio. And and that's not necessarily a bad thing because it's uh, after we got those four properties on board, I don't think we took on another property for, I want to say like eight or nine months because we were consolidating what we got and made sure that that was operating smoothly rather than just going one after another after another after another after another because at some point you've got to make sure that um, uh, you've got to make sure that the, the units that you're taking on are working according to your financial plan that you have for that um, and that the customers are all experiencing good service because if you keep sort of building on uh, rocky ground then the whole thing's going to come tumbling down and the last thing you want is take on like nine properties and suddenly half of customers <laughs> leave or three quarters of your customers leave not because of covid or anything but because what you're doing is not um uh, properly bedded in does that make sense
0: yeah or because of covid i mean <laughs> that, uh, that does well, uh, i mean, well. <laughs> I mean but, we yeah were put
1: yeah, as we were putting our financial plan together in, because we always put our financial plan together in October, ready to start on, on the January. So we know how many units we want. We know what the anticipated revenue is. We know what the expected expenditure is going to be. And therefore, we can work out our profits. And therefore, we can work out what our bonuses are going to be. Um, but when we got to um, sort of February uh, or October, would be October 2019, would it have been? did we plan for COVID in march 2020 no <laughs> absolutely no. not um but the, the the only thing um just in point of all serious, the only thing that saved us is that we uh adhered to uh, putting eight percent of our rent law aside each month uh, and we mm. build up a pot over four years to about i want to say about 20 25 grand we had in, in a bank account that was there as was our rainy day money um and yeah. that's what sustained us over over the last year or so. I mean I've just um completed our accounts for for the year uh ending March 2020. Um and compared to the year ending March 2019, um they were broadly okay. We we finished our uh, year end on Wednesday, so March the 31st when i look at the accounts for um 2020, 2021 i mean i'm going to be crying into my coffee i can I, I can i can guarantee you that it's it's been so challenging it really has not only not only emotionally and mentally but um but financially as well and uh some companies have done really well, um, my friend uh, Danny, who's up in Liverpool, his um, letting agency deals predominantly with sort of social housing and universal credit um, mm. and, and they 've not skipped a beat uh, they 've had all their payments coming through um, at the moment um, again uh, in in the spirit of transparency um, we've had um, nearly seven grand worth of bad debt written off because someone 's done a runner, a couple of people done where mm. um, we 've issued ccj's uh, do I expect to get that money back? No. If, it, if I yeah, do, sorry. it's a bonus. Um, and and currently we're looking... What's our figure? Currently we're looking at £8,780 worth of arrears. So um, it's, it's a yeah. lot of money. But the, the good thing is that everyone has a payment plan. Um, and as from April, but apart from... Apart from two of those people everyone else has has um got a a payment plan in place and um they'll be paying their rent and an amount on top now i'm not going to clear that arrears in three months which is my ideal but maybe sort of six seven months in we'll we should be back to square one so the cash flow cash flow implications going forward should be quite healthy um unless uh, another uh, train wreck comes down the line, and, and then we'll 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 deal with we'll deal with that. I mean, and, that's what businesses. Yeah. Business yeah, it's
0: true, it's true. I guess just to um, uh, give my little spin on getting in contact with agents. I think it's only really, let me see. It was only really last year, funnily enough, that um agents started to reach out. So prior to that, um Sue, like you, you know, making a bunch of calls and. Um, you mentioned that you're at the very start of your journey, um, so congrats on that. Uh, if there is, well, definitely head over to the HMO Experience Property Podcast. There is a, a bunch of uh, useful information uh, and nuggets, especially in the first sort of ten to twelve episodes, which will help um, set you on your way uh, if you're um, just starting off in uh, in HMO and rent to rent. But yeah, I mean, when I started, I was making you know anywhere between fifteen hundred calls a day. Um, to agents. So, you know, just trying to fast track the no to get to a point of um, arranging viewings and that kind of thing. So it does take, um, it does take a while. And as Steve said, it's a relationship business, right? So you kind of, you, you need to put in the, the legwork up front in order to build that relationship. And only then does it get a little bit easier. You know, it was really after the first year we started to get some relationships um, going uh, with agents and then it was easier to pick up the phone to speak to them and say look you know this property looks good um do you think it would work do you think the landlord's open to it do you mind you know checking it out um so you kind of you short circuit the the uncomfortable hi you know i'm calling from such and such and i you know i want to arrange a viewing for this property and by the way you know i'm looking at it from a to rent perspective um but yeah it's um it is worth putting in the grind up front um and, you know, it does get easier the more sort of phone calls you do. So don't don't be perturbed. Uh, you know, some days are going to be better than others. Um, but just the fact that you're already making those calls and, and asking that question, looking further down the line, you know, perhaps it arrives quicker for you in sort of 6, 12, 18 months time. You're going to have a flood of agents calling you simply because of, you know, your service delivery and and the fact that you're you know able to help them out. And solve some problems for them so fair play and also thank you for listening to the podcast and um, I hope you find it really useful um, and thank you also if you're tuning in uh, when Steve and I do the lives like this also a nice little segue if you're on Clubhouse I know it's only for iOS or Apple users at the moment Um, we run a club room at 1 p.m. on Mondays uh, the HMO Experience Club room and we're we'll also starting a new room on Tuesdays at 1 p.m. which is specifically going to be around uh, rent to rent. So, um, make sure uh, you check out our um, Insta profiles and um, look for us on Clubhouse. We've got a few other questions that have come in, uh, Steve. So, I'm just going to put up the next one. Um, or hey, or George, how you doing, George? Thanks for tuning in. Um, is it a good idea to have two idea to have two agents trying to rent the rooms in HMO or not? Steve, as a former agent, what do you think about that?
1: Um, okay, so you've got to look at the pros and cons. Um, so, if you're, so if you remember, and I don't know if you joined, have just joined us or whether you joined us from the beginning, but um, one of the top three most important things, uh, in my humble opinion, um, with regards to uh, running a successful HMO uh, is, is the mix of customers. Um, so because what you want to be trying to do uh, again in in our our humble opinion is to build uh, a community you don't want to have lots of individuals in a shared house you want to try and uh, uh, get some sort of community spirit because once you get community spirit um, then the cohesiveness of the house all comes together now what's the motivation of a letting agent well the motivation of a letting agent is to sell uh, houses um, so they get their commission, and so therefore, they can um, uh, earn the money. So, therefore, um, are the um, uh, characteristics of assessing the individual going into that house the most important thing on their mind, or is earning the commission check the most hmm. important thing on their mind? And, and hmm. you have to make a judgment as to which one of those two things is the most important thing on their mind. Now, one way of being able to have a, an element of control on that is that you have the final decision on who goes in the house. Um, and so therefore you can only make that final decision based on two bits of information. Uh, one uh, is looking at their reference report. And two is you've got to have some form of face-to-face dialogue and have a conversation. And um, my uh, litmus test is if I'm prepared to go down the beer, uh, back down the beer, down the pub, not yeah. the can at the moment, and have a beer with the it's individual, food or a yeah. glass of um or if i was the pub landlord it'd be a white wine for the ladies um then i'd be more than happy to have that individual uh in uh come in the in the house if i'm not prepared to go out and have a drink with that individual then no I, I'm, I'm not interested so so that and you can only get that if you have a conversation whether that be on a um on a, uh, a zoom uh, as we're doing right now um mm. or uh ideally face to face and and once this whole um uh, once this whole uh, lockdown uh, thing goes away then it's going to be a lot more easy so you have to you have to make sure that the agent um have to assess whether the agent is more interested in their commission check or are they more interested in getting the right person in the house because if they are more interested in their commission check and i would say that probably i don't know 90 percent of agents out there are probably more interested in their commission check um then if you get the wrong person in then potentially um it, it's going to be more challenging for you to manage um but that's not to say that um the people that the agent put forward might not be great people uh, all i'm mm. saying is that ultimately if you're taking on a rent to rent or if you own your own HMO and manage it yourself ultimately you are responsible um and if there's a problem then um then you have to deal with it so uh the reason why i like to do my own um, uh recruitment let's say uh of, of finding uh, uh great customers is because i start to build up a personal relationship um and one of the benefits of having a personal relationship is that customers will tell you things uh that they wouldn't otherwise tell you if you didn't have that mm. personal relationship so uh again i don't know if you joined us from the beginning of this stream but um the story that i uh recounted at the very beginning um where the police had to be called out um, I knew of that uh, individual's challenges and therefore I was in a much better position to be able to manage that situation rather than not knowing anything about uh, that individual. So, um, but if you want to get agents to to find your customers for you, there's absolutely nothing wrong with doing that. Just make mm. sure that you have a very strict criteria as to the type of person that you want to have in your house. Hopefully that answers your question.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think... Um... Uh, definitely I think what you mentioned about having not necessarily like a obviously the referencing and all that for sure, but I I listened to um, a co-living podcast a few weeks ago and they were going on about the benefits of having, you know, like a a 10 or 15 minute um, uh, intro video uh, or interview um, where you um, perhaps haven't been involved as part of the viewing process, uh, but you just want to, you know, make sure that that, um, potential customer is going to be suitable for um, the property that they're moving into. So to have like a 10 or 15 minute um, online chat with them where you've got you know some standard questions that you generally tend to ask and get a bit more of a flavor as to who they are and what they're about and you know what stage of life they're at and whether or not they're going to be a good fit in the community I think is um, time um, well spent. Uh, and also gives you a certain level of um, control. And also the other thing that was mentioned, which is quite interesting, um, you can then also use that um, interview uh, as a basis to, you know, give the current housemates a clip and say, look, you know, we are gonna have such and such moving in. Obviously there's some privacy considerations, GDPR. Yes, I understand. Uh, A lot of this interview is being uh, carried out um, overseas. Some of the um, uh, members were in the States um, where the privacy laws aren't quite strict. Um, but yeah, you can use, um, you know, an excerpt of that. So look, here's um, a little intro to the new housemate that's coming into the community, like welcome him or her when you see her. And, you know, we've gone through um, uh, an interview process to make sure that they're the right fit for you guys as well. Um, so I do think, you know, you need to maintain some level of control, whether that's just setting out your specific criteria to agents, uh, or being involved as part of the um, the interview or the viewing process. I think that's super useful. Um, mm-hmm. So, look, George, thank you very much for asking question. Hopefully that has helped. We've got a couple more questions, Steve. Um, so let me just make sure I get this in the right order. So Gambler's Ruin a, from uh, YouTube. it said, look, I'm nearest to properties. I've turned my own house into HMO in Essex and would like to build my business this way. However, my cash is now stuck in my house before I learn about buy, I think that's buy, refurbish and resell, is that right? BRR. Uh, I have 70K, yeah. I have 70K and thinking of moving to the Midlands to buy three bed houses, turn into six bed plus HMOs. Is this a feasible strategy, please? now again i'm going to defer to you steve because you um, and jamie have got a business which is funny enough in the midlands so you'll be able to say whether or not this is going to be plausible
1: yeah um i think what I'm is, um, that's amazing um uh what you're doing uh, gambler's room um I think um One of the things that you, uh, I just want to, I'm just going to say this, okay, I just, there's a couple of things I just want you to make sure that from a compliance perspective that you've done. So the first thing is, um, I'm sure you have, but um, I just want to mention this. The first thing is obviously you've let your lender know that this is what you've done. Um, and that you've got consent to let, uh, not only for a single let, but also as an HMO. So, uh, if you haven't done that, the consequences are that that could be construed as potential mortgage fraud, and then that sort of is a completely different can of worms. So, if you've um, if if you've got any questions around that hospital sort of turning your house home or private residential into an HMO, and you want to just directly about that, then then please feel free to do so. Um, but the reason why i say that is because what you might want to decide to do is to look to refinance your uh, x prime resident uh, residential home on a commercial basis because then once you do that um, you can uh, uh, get a valuation based on the uh, commercial uh, rent that the property is generating um, and therefore they typically tend to be a bit sort of higher uplift um, and therefore, you might be able to pull a bit more money out, which might add to your pot of 70,000. So so that's one thing. The second thing about is 70,000 enough to go and buy three houses in the Midlands? Um, well, you could argue yes, but it depends. There's a, a lot of depends in there. So it depends on where in the Midlands. <laughs> it depends on what type of customer you want to um, service. It depends on are you going to be putting in, um, taking like a three-bed uh, which is what we do take a three bed uh, and turn it into a five bed on suite or are you just going to buy the houses um and not put in on suites and just do like a lick of paint and change of carpet um if you're going to be putting in en suites then just to run some really really rough numbers to give you a comparison we would typically buy properties from a the comparable now is probably about 140, 150, but what is is what we would um, look for. Uh, to rip it to bits and then to put it back together again, that's like ripping everything out, plaster off the wall, re-plastering, um, uh, not going into a loft, I hasten to add, uh, and putting everything back in, would typically be uh, about 60 grand in terms of re- refurbishment costs. And your purchase costs are probably going to be uh, around about i would say four no probably about six to seven grand including so um 70,000 pound um might sort of cover the refurbishment and the purchase costs but it probably won't cover the deposit so when you um uh, when you go and obviously buy these properties you need to come up with Uh, The deposit, which is uh, typically 25 percent. In some instances, it might be 30 percent. So you need to know which broker you're going to go, which lender you're going to work with. So having a good broker is uh, of paramount importance. You're going to need the refurbishment costs uh, and you're going to need the purchase costs. So when you add up the um, uh, deposit plus refurbishment plus uh purchase cost. that's the the cash that you need available in order to go and do that now if you've got the money great if you haven't got the money then you're going to go and need to find it from somewhere um and that's where uh, if you go back and check out um previous podcasts about raising investor finance uh jamie uh, will give you some tips and insights it may well be that you've got uh that uh are um interested in getting a better return on their money than having it sitting in the bank at the moment because in the bank account it's earning well next to nothing um, yeah. and you might be able to offer a better return um, so yeah to, so to answer your question it really depends on 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 what type of property you're going to buy where you're going to buy and, and more importantly what it is that you want to do so what i will say is if you connect with us um uh, and go to our facebook page so that's the hmo experience um uh, podcast facebook page and um, message us there and if you want to um, give us your contact details if you need a few sort of pointers on making that investment up in the midlands or if you want a few pointers on converting your home um, or to make sure that you've done it in the right way which i'm sure you have if you just want to uh, run through the checklist with us we're born how to do that but just connect with us via the facebook
0: page yeah nice good yeah. chance um, so hopefully that was a um, helpful gambler's room. Thanks for uh, tuning in as well. I think, um, Steve, we are coming up to an hour. So we've got one more question uh, from James, which is, um, hi James, first off, thank you very much for tuning in and also asking your question. Um, he has asked, when you find a property to lease from a landlord, you apply for the HMO license before you sign the contract with them so how long does it usually take for the application to be approved etc have you had applications denied so i think there's three parts first off do you need to apply for a license before you sign the contract secondly how long does it take and thirdly have we had any applications denied so um uh the first bit of that is um if you're taking on a property for rent to rent i um the landlord may have started the application process before signing, um, the renter and contract with you, in which case you don't need to do anything. You just need to make sure that the landlord notifies the council that you, um, or your business will be the property manager of the property. Once the license has been granted, if however, um, it's an unlicensed property and Steve, I'm sure you'll correct me if I'm wrong. Um, I wouldn't start the application process until the ink is dry on the contract, um, because there will be a period of time, obviously when the property is empty, because you're gonna go through the setup process. So as soon as the contract signed at that stage, I would make sure that you start the application process, because once the application has been submitted, um, in effect, you've got a, a, a quasi license, because you know the council have been put on notice that you're um, applying to have uh, the property registered. Um, how long does it normally take? had varying experiences. So I think the first property that we um, got licensed took about nine months uh, from submitting the application to actually getting the license through. Um, There's a couple of applications that we sent over last year as well, and they took about eight or nine months. Um, and I think the backlog has been because of the changes in regulations um, with um, the HMO licensing requirements, which uh, were changed, was it twenty October 2018 or 2019? And um, so it removed uh, the three-story requirement.
1: Wh- which year was it? I think it was 19.
0: It was 19. Um, and that just added another, I think the stats were something like 170,000 properties to the uh, licensing requirements. So if you think councils were under a lot of strain before <laughs> before the change was put in, then to have that number of additional properties you know, pre- to license prospectively um, means that there's a backlog and it might take a little bit of time for them to work through um, the license application. Uh, And the third part, certainly from my perspective, we haven't had license denied as yet. We've had provisional licenses granted on the basis that certain um, matters in the property are corrected uh, or brought up to standard to make before a full license is granted. But that's something that we normally uh, push back onto the landlord because in our um, rent-to-rent agreement, they are responsible for all of the licensing works. So, um, haven't had a denial, but have had a provisional, like one-year license granted, subject to uh, certain works being done. Following which, a full-term license was granted. So, that's a quick recap of my experience. Steve, do you want to weigh in with um, with your bits?
1: Yeah, um, so the first thing before you sign any contract is make sure that you're not in an Article 4 area. If you don't know what Article 4 is, then again, go back and sort of check out some of the podcasts and uh, and we explain all about what Article 4 is. But essentially, it's a, a planning restriction that says that you can't have any HMOs. So that's the first thing I do because I don't want to be signing a, a lease or a contract um, on, a, on a, an HMO uh, and then committing myself only to find out that actually I can't, apply for a license because there's it's article four in the area so on the assumption there's no article four uh, what i'll then be doing is uh having not a lease um my prefer- preference is to have a management contract um mm. and uh, again we talk about the difference between legal management contracts and uh, corporate leases and uh, company uh, leases and all that type of stuff in in the podcast previously i don't know what episode it is but if you go back and check us out on uh, on youtube just look for the one that's got all the legal uh, bits in um hmm. my so therefore my preference is a management contract um uh, and then what i'd be doing is as, as i've got that uh, management contract signed uh, i'd want to be trying to negotiate uh, a period of of no rent um why do i want to do that well the first thing I'm gonna do is I'm gonna reach out to the uh, local HMO officer and ask them to, uh, to see if they are able to visit the property so that they can advise me as to what needs to be done. Um, and then what they'll do, they'll wander around the house um, and then they will, uh, on well, as use iPads, they'll be ticking lots of things and crossing lots of things. And the output is a letter that comes to you to say, thank you very much for allowing us to come to your property. Uh, in order to um, qualify for the license, you need to do all this stuff. So, what could all this stuff be? Fire to potential you don't know and that you should get up uh, a document which sets out for your local council what the minimums are. Uh, to make sure that all the uh, rooms that you are anticipating on getting in from are over the minimum six point five one square meters uh, minimum room size. If that is indeed the minimum room size for your area, that's why you need to go and check it all out. Um, but once you get all of that um, uh, sussed out and the and the castle with the list, of the menu of things to do, you as Matt says, you get the things done. Um, and then you invite them back and say, "Look, haven't I been great? Here's all the things you said. Here's all the things I've done <laughs> across the board." And then you and then you apply for your license. Um, and then, as Matt says, once the license application is in, um, the only reason you will get refused is if you're deemed as uh, an unfit person. Now, mm. what is an unfit person? It will be that you've got some credit history. It could well be. I'm not suggesting that you do in any... Or let me let me depersonalize. It could be that one has uh, credit issues. It could be that one has had a, um, uh, a criminal um, uh, record with the police. It may well be uh, that one has had uh, a run-in with the council on uh, a uh, matter, um, and that they then deem that that one is not an uh, an acceptable person to be running an HMO. Um, and therefore, if that is the case, then you are or one is listed as the house manager <laughs> then uh, one will not be allowed to uh, apply for the license and therefore someone else will have, the license will have to go in the name of other people and that's why sometimes is that they um uh, they they reach out to uh, people uh, in order to get the uh, one uh, on the license because they can't apply for the license themselves because they've been Bald or they've been naughty in the past and they're not allowed to have it anymore so you've got to make sure uh, of the motivations um and because i've known that's happened a couple of times um yeah other than that no we've never been refused a license because we're not in article four um the properties have always been of adequate size and adequate amenities uh, i've always played by the rules. And uh, and therefore we've not had any 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 issues. Hopefully that that provides a little bit. But the most important thing is engage with your local HMO officer. They will tell you exactly what you have to do on that property.
0: Yeah, it's a good point. So we've um, just to um, expand, I guess, on on our experience. We've not um, engaged um, local officers simply because, um, well, I, I didn't know before applying for the first license that we could run through that dress rehearsal uh, but also on for brain Council the um you know they just say stick in the application we'll tell you what what needs to be done um presumably on the basis that they've got so many applications come in they're like well we can't just allocate resources to send people out and and get it checked out and also there might be a time delay in that respect um so that may be why you know I've had um, a different experience but um, if you can get an officer out, I think it's obviously a bit more beneficial and expedite the process a little bit. Um, a couple of things just to uh, clarify, I guess, and you asked a follow-up question, James. Yeah, with um, Article 4, so obviously, um, planning and licensing are two separate, um, separate matters. So if you are in an Article 4 area, then... Um, you or the landlord—I uh, don't know whether it's um, for rent or rent. Uh, presumably, it is because your lease contract um, will need to apply for planning permission. Um, and I would do this even before applying for the license, because if you're not going to get planning permission for um, using the property as HMO, there's no point in getting license. Um, and the planning process—I mean, I, I've Brent was going to be turned into an Article Four area, but now it isn't, so. Again, I've got no idea as to how long um, the planning process will take, but I would I would imagine anywhere between three to six months. I don't know if that's kind of a gut feel. Um, so you will need to apply for planning permission get a planning consultant um, uh, involved. And I, I think it would need to be um, the landlord that would need to apply for that because they own uh, the property. You don't currently have an interest in it until the lease is signed. Um, I'd definitely get all this out of the way before signing anything because it will just add delays unless the landlord is happy to give you a rent-free period for all the period of time throughout which you go through this process, which I doubt very much. Um, So that's something to bear in mind. Once planning has been um, obtained, then by all means, you know, next step, definitely get the property license. Um, And you will find the licensing criteria from your local council on the council website, um, so do that. And also, um, as Steve mentioned, I actually did uh, the HMO Diaries last week and um, there was a question around management agreements, company lets and commercial leases. So I gave a very brief overview um, of the pros and cons of of those options. So um, either head back onto the HMO Experience, public podcast, Facebook page and check out or the YouTube channel or go onto whatever podcast platform you listen to and listen to last week's HMO Diaries. Um, I think it's titled Company let Management Agreements and Leases, makes it easy. Um, so yeah, hopefully that, <laughs> I know. Indeed, exactly yes.
1: what it says on the tin.
0: <laughs> Where do all these titles come from? I know, this creativity. Um, so yeah, James, I hope that's been um, useful. Um, Steve, is there anything to add? Did I miss anything out in terms of that explanation?
1: No, I think, um, no, go back and check out the resources. And, and what may happen, James, is that as you go through the resources, you might have a whole bunch of new questions that you haven't thought of uh, before. So um, either join us next time or press in um, and, and uh, we'll do our best to answer them for you.
0: Nice one. Thank you very much, uh, James. Appreciate the feedback. Thank you very much for tuning in. Thank you for asking questions today. Um, Guys, look, um, this is our longest HMO Diaries yet. So first off, thank you very much for everyone who's participated and asked um, questions. Hopefully we've been able to bring you um, uh, a load of value today Um, and really appreciate you tuning in. I think this five o'clock slot is probably a lot easier for people um, to um, to join in on than uh, previous times that we had. Uh, but we're going to wrap it up and call it a day um before we go a few things to let you know of i'm going to run through the list clubhouse mondays 1pm tuesdays 1pm um check us out the hmo experience property clubroom uh, mondays is general hmo property investing tuesdays specific for rent to rent um head over uh to the hmo experience property podcast facebook page and youtube channel click like, click subscribe, make sure you hit the subscribe button on whatever podcast platform you listen to for the HMO Experience Property Podcast. This episode of the HMO Diaries will be going live on uh, the podcast on Wednesday. There's also a new Five Minute Friday feature where I'll be giving you a rundown of previous episodes of the HMO Experience Property Podcast in bite-size manageable chunks for you to digest on the go. Other than that, have I missed anything else, Steve?
1: um no Seeds with steve. stuff join Seeds, me Seeds with, with steve, steve. <laughs> <laughs> that'll be on, on uh, steve's facebook page on my facebook send me a friend request and uh, every sunday you'll, you can find out um how my garden grows
0: exactly and just a quick shout out to susie before we go um cherishhomemanagement.co.uk is your site we'll check it out uh, if you join us next week, you can give us some feedback if you've got any questions around that. Other than that, guys, thank you very, very much for joining us uh, on uh, this Monday evening. Have a great week. Um, it is goodbye for me and goodbye from Steve. Say goodbye, Steve. Take care, everyone. Bye.